From the EBW studios in Austin, Texas, this is EBW Radio, empowering a billion women by 2020. Welcome to EBW Radio. I'm JB Hager. I'm your host uh, here from the studios in Austin, Texas, and I have a very special guest with me today, Jenny Beezing. Hi. Jenny Beezing is the Director of Operations for DrumFit, where you have built an educational curriculum of fitness. Mm -hmm. That's what you do here, and it's based out of Austin, Texas. Is that correct? It is. Okay. And uh, you've grown that over some time, have you not? Yeah, we've uh, grown our content library and been working on getting some great fitness tools for teachers so that they can project workouts into their classroom that are innovative and fun for kids. And our mission is to teach kids to love cardio fitness for life. Very cool. Very cool. I know. And you have a background as an entrepreneur, too, with a couple of products. Do you want to share a little bit about that? Just have been, you know, working on different projects for different just all different types of industries. But I think um, what I'm most proud of was the women's fitness studio that I founded in Atlanta. And it was bar yoga and Pilates. It was called Svelte and um, was a really great experience. It was my first opportunity to try to co-found a business and figure out what that entails and uh, learned a lot through that. And so yeah, and now here I am. Okay. Now, we're going to talk about something pretty interesting because you've been a dancer your whole life. You've spent, what at age did you start? Like a lot of a lot of kids at age four or five? Yeah, I started at three. Um, I was a competitive dancer through high school, and then I was a dance major at the University of Kansas. Um, after that, I taught professional ballroom for... About a year and a half, and then I moved oh, wow. to Atlanta. This is where we're going. And this is what's interesting, because it's a very, very hot story right now. Mm-hmm. You moved to Atlanta f- to do what? I moved in uh, hopes to find a dance coaching job, a choreography job. And uh, when I got there, I decided that a good way to get plugged into that network and to meet some girls my age would be to try out for the Atlanta Falcons cheerleaders. And the reason we bring this up, is because just this month, uh, just a few days prior to the Super Bowl, some women, a group of women, former cheerleaders, filed suit against the NFL demanding higher wages and fair labor practices for all 26 of its teams. Right. And it's no secret that the pay scale for the cheerleaders is very, very low. Mm-hmm. Do you mind sharing what you were making when you were doing it? Um. I think at the time that I was cheering, it was $75 a game, um, and that satisfied the – and I, at the time, was a 1099 contract worker. You have an interesting take on this lawsuit, mm-hmm. and it's very easy when when it came up. I'll, I can tell you exactly what went through my head was I thought, well, they should make more money because – not because of what they're doing or the amount of work they're doing, and I wasn't even thinking equal pay – I was thinking about what a big stage it is, mm-hmm. you know, uh, in front of a massive crowd that, mm-hmm. you know, only stadiums that the Rolling Stones can fill, right? Mm-hmm. And it's on television, and the NFL is, is the hottest sport in America, and it makes a lot of money, mm-hmm. and it's a part of the show. Mm-hmm. And correct me if I'm wrong, you think they're going about it the wrong way by filing suit. I think it's important that if they felt like they're – organization was in violation of what's legal, um, 
I support their right to say so. Um, that was not my personal experience. Um, and I think it's really important that people understand that this is a lot more complicated than just NFL cheerleaders are not being paid enough. And um, so I do always like to educate people on what the job entails and what you're told when you try out for this job. Mm -hmm. And so I think part of it is cheering at the game is actually 10% of your entire job. Just like I'm sure in media, being on camera or being on the microphone is 10% of your job. Right. The rest is, you know, content development and production. And it's the same thing with the Atlanta Falcons cheerleaders or any NFL organization. You are on the field 10%, but the rest of the year, you're an ambassador in the community. So you're appearing at children's hospitals, at golf tournaments. Um, you're an ambassador at schools for young children. And, um, and you're, and you're practicing, and there and there are a lot of other opportunities like being able to go overseas and perform for the troops through the USO, and being able to travel uh, to other cities, like when you get to go to the Super Bowl and cheer, or perhaps that you get selected to go to the Pro Bowl as um, the representative from your cheerleading team. So, even within the job, being on the field is a really really small part of it. Off the top of what your head, do you? What percentage of them, and I think I know the answer to this, would you say are there for the money? I would say it's a very small percentage for two reasons. Um, one, because they let you know you must have a full-time job, full-time career in order to try out because this is not a wage to live. Mm -hmm. This is uh, an extracurricular. This is a second job. This is like if you coached a dance team or anything else, this is not a living wage. You have to have a full-time career. Um, also, it's not a career. It's an opportunity, but you cannot be a career cheerleader. You can't uh, make the kind of money that you would need to. So in that instance, you know, you cannot be a professional cheerleader as a career, as it stands right now. Okay. So they that's probably one of the things they look at when you're trying out. Like, Absolutely. They, they want a dynamic group of people who do other things as well. That's part of it. Right. And I would say that, especially in my experience, uh, that the women that I cheered with were some of the most impressive women that I have ever had the opportunity to be around. And that's both athletically, but also professionally. Um, we had girls on the team that were attorneys. We had girls on the team that were nurses, that were students, that were business owners, that were, uh, dance studio owners. So, um, the career aspect was very important, and it was important that we were supporting each other in our careers and what we were doing. But that is very important for people to realize that it is that cheerleading is not a career, and it's also not a money-making, make-money-to-live opportunity. It's a separate type of opportunity. Okay. So what went through your head when you heard about the lawsuit? I think— it's unfortunate because I think there are a lot of ways to approach this issue. Um, I definitely think that the value that cheerleaders bring to their organizations is very high. And I think it's unfortunate that, you know, I hear a lot of times they're fighting for minimum wage, fighting for minimum wage. And I think, you know, I don't even know if that's really worth fighting for because I think they're they're worth much more than minimum wage. There are lots of teams in the NFL that do not have cheerleaders. So the 
girls or the ladies in those cities do not have the opportunity to be a part of an NFL organization at all. I really believe that the opportunity to be a part of that organization and to leverage that opportunity um, is huge. And what I don't want to see is that girls are who agreed on the front end to all of the terms of the contract, which are very, very clear, very upfront. I was definitely not bamboozled or swindled when I signed up to be an NFL cheerleader. I knew exactly what it entailed. I knew how many hours and I knew what that return was going to be. Um, but I think it's very important that we realize that it is an opportunity and what I'd hate to see is for two more dollars an hour, we see more and more teams get rid of the opportunity that's available right now. Have you heard rumblings that some might drop the program? Well, I just know that that is a risk because there are so many programs that do drop cheerleaders. The Chicago Bears, for instance, dropped their cheerleaders, I think, in 1985. So it definitely is a risk because... The cheerleaders are not an essential function to the game or to the revenue. And so if you are, if it becomes a liability or it becomes a big hassle, you run the risk of NFL teams just saying, there are a lot of NFL teams that don't have cheerleaders. We're just not going to have cheerleaders. Mm -hmm. And that takes an opportunity away for women who are very interested in having that opportunity to engage in the community and to be a part of a network of women who support them. If this lawsuit is not necessarily the right way to go, uh, well, let me let me get clarity. Do you agree or disagree that this is the right way to go about changing this? I think it is a way, and I think that th- there was a time when there were girls bringing lawsuit against certain organizations for violations which were which were deemed illegal. At, as far as not paying minimum wage or asking them to do things outside of their contract. I think it happened with the Raiders in 2014. Raiders and the Bengals. Okay. So both teams. Um, so far as it being illegal, I don't. I think that if someone's doing something illegal, obviously you bring suit so that they become um, compliant with the law. However, when we talk about wanting more, uh, there are a lot of ways to do it. Ask for a meeting with the head of the organization, with the head of the department that determines your pay. And I think that asking is totally within reason. I also think there are ways to that maybe cheerleaders can um, get a corporate sponsor for their team. Um, we had a lot of sponsors for our cheerleading team. We had hairdressing sponsors. We had uh, tanning sponsors. We had personal training sponsors, gym sponsors, all sorts of people who are infusing value, which is not necessarily the dollar value. So we had somewhere beautiful to practice. We had apparel uh, provided to us. We had, you know, lots of awesome perks from really great companies who wanted to support the cheerleaders. Are you kind of saying that the individually, like, let's use the the Falcons, that was your experience. Mm -hmm. They is their own, I mean, it's its own entity within that organization. Mm -hmm. They could work together to help the cheerleaders monetize themselves. And I think that they do. And I think that they have, especially in years since I've cheered, invested more and more into the cheerleading program. When I cheered, we did a a swimsuit calendar, which I chose to be a part of. It was not required. I wanted to. I was excited about it. Um, 
but our photo shoot was locally in Atlanta and that doesn't feel really swimsuity. Since that time, they've now flown the girls to go to different tropical locations. The calendars are beautiful. So there is progress every single year. Um, and I think that acknowledging that progress is important and continuing to provide value to that organization is important. And I think that we're seeing we're seeing a lot of great changes. And you look at the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders. They're an excellent example of what investing in your program can do. They are a very prominent out in front of the organization representative and they are always doing pu paid public appearances. And I feel like lots of organizations are taking a note from the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders. And I think things are getting much better. And they're on television and uh, more money has to come. I mean, legally, I think that anybody that's on that show has a pay scale, right? Sure. And so it, maybe that one in particular is paying them better because of the publicity. Potentially. And we're all seeing on television, if you've seen it, how hard it really is. It is. How brutal. They work hard. Um, and I think I think while it is difficult and other people perceive it as extremely difficult, I can tell you that that is also the case for the Rockettes. That's the case for people who are performing on Broadway, entertainers in general. If you want to be at the top of the game, it requires a lot of work. And it's no more work than what the players are doing to stay at the top of their game. What is the right number? What should they be paid? For? Do you even have a number in your mind? As but, a but business? Again, but again, you said it's not a career. What if it was? What if you were expected to give uh, 40 hours a week to the team and all those aspects you talked about, appearances, travel, this, that? What would be a good pay for that? Do you, do you even have a number in your in mind? I think it's really hard because if we're thinking about this from a business perspective, I if and and that's really what we're doing. So somebody has to be the consumer of the cheerleaders. And basically the NFL contracts out their organizations so that the NFL and the organizations can be the consumers and the people at home. And so I think from a business perspective, it, I you know, you just can't like throw something out there because it's so important that People understand that you have to have a consumer for a product, no matter what that product, service, or entertainment is. You can't come up with a pay because there's not a tangible output. Right. 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 It, and so that's a little. <laughs> How bit do you harder. measure that? There's no way to measure that. Right. It's it. So it is. It's a complicated issue, um, and it's. And I think that's what's important. I think a lot. I've seen multiple times that people make the comparison, and and this is where I think it's really important to be specific. The NFL players and the cheerleaders should not be in the same conversation when we're talking about wages because they provide two different functions for the NFL and for their teams, right? So those are not equitable. And the same thing can be said. I keep hearing like, oh, well, the concession stand workers make $12 an hour and the cheerleaders make nine. Well, that's true, but it's also not. There are advantages and also opportunities for the cheerleaders that concession stand workers would never e ever get. No, there was a really good concession worker calendar one oh, was year. There? <laughs> yes. That is uh, well, good for them. <laughs> there yeah, there was a really good one. I think it was 2013. Right. It was awesome. So those are totally different, <laughs> but and and so that's why I am always very 
quick to say, let, let's make sure when we're talking about wage equality that we are comparing apples to apples, like in the case of the U.S. women's soccer team and the U.S. men's soccer team. Uh, Those are apples and apples where you are asking the same people to provide the same job function, and yet they're paid different on a different scale. And the women were producing more and going farther than the men. Sure. And more so, television time, more exposure, sure, all of the it, above. I think it's a good example because it's an undeniable injustice. Mm-hmm. That is an undeniable injustice. You can't look at the women's team and the men's team and say, nope, those women just shouldn't make as much. I mean, it's, it's, it's so blindly clear. And there are a lot of cases where maybe it isn't as clear. But what the point of the act is, is that if you're asking people to provide the same job function, mm-hmm. you pay the same no matter who that person is. And so when we t- talk about... Um, you know, the wage gap when it comes to genders, I think cheerleaders are a terrible example of that. And I will tell anybody that. Because but they're, they're, they're acting as if they're performing the same job. Right. And they're and not. And they're not. Right. Okay. For sure. So this is, it's almost a whole different category of the normal gender equality conversation. Right. And, and I think woman, a lot of people like to whip it into the conversation and that's yeah. where things get really convoluted because I'm not providing the same function as an NFL player in that I don't play in the game. Have I worked my whole life to be an NFL cheerleader? Yes. Have I taken thousands and thousands of hours? Yes. And and so in that way, um, the football players and the cheerleaders are very alike, right? We're both elite athletes. But when it comes to our job function, we are doing very different things. And so I think it's really important to make that distinction so that people don't get confused when it comes to real injustices when it comes to pay. Mm-hmm. And what I've seen with a lot of lawsuits, the attorneys are going to get most of this money. The law firm is going to get most of this money. Not- I, hope, I hope it's some women. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's how it usually works right. in a class action suit. The right. firm makes a lot of money, and former cheerleaders get a check for $8. You know, right. we don't know what it's going to be, but well, it, it think- doesn't always make it right the way it right. should. And I think the other part is... I don't feel like a victim. I don't feel like I was underpaid. I don't feel like a victim of inequality in any way. I feel super empowered with my time as a cheerleader. I feel like it was the best decision I ever made. I think I got to serve my community in ways that I would have never had an opportunity to. And I feel like it was the most empowering experience where I was surrounded with the most empowered women. And you have to feel pretty empowered to dance in spandex and high heel boots, okay? It's not easy. (laughs) Uh, One last thing. So let's say, uh, hypothetically, you have a a niece who's 21 now and wants to go audition for any one of the NFL teams. Before she goes in there for the tryout day one, what would you say to her about this side of it? About About this issue. You know, if she goes... You know, hey, uh, Aunt Jenny, I'm, I'm going to try out, and, you know, it's not much money, and I'm seeing all this stuff about lawsuits. What would you say to her? I would say that I'm so proud that you uh, got your education because your career is the most important thing you will do. Cheerleading will be something fun you do. Traveling will be something fun you do. But focusing on what your impact in the world can be is going to come from your long-term career. And if this opportunity is something that aligns with your career goals 
and it's not going to you know, distract you from that, then you should definitely do it. But if you're doing this for nine, 11, a hundred dollars, and it's going to in any way, way derail your career, I would tell you not to do it. Very good. You made it very clear. It's opened a lot of doors for you. How do you put a price on that? I much mean, like, I really Much can't. like your college education. Right. Which was Kansas, right? Yes. Which one, which one has given you more value? Probably both. Oh, no, definitely the Falcons. Really? Oh, absolutely. It, op- it opened more opportunity. For, then your degree was in what? Dance. Was in dance. That's right. You said that at the right. beginning. Very, very cool. Jenny Beezing, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Drum fit is where you are. Is that business yeah. development? Um, I think it's... A- business development is how it started. And then okay. after a little bit of consulting, I decided I want to come on full time as the director of operations. Well, if anyone happens to be listening and looking for a curriculum for... Uh, Their PE program. For the PE program, it's a pretty cool. Check it out. It is really fun. Okay. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, JB. This is EBW Radio. Thanks for listening to EBW Radio, empowering a billion women by 2020. Whoa, whoa, whoa.